Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from a very steamy and warm Brooklyn. On the West Coast is my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hopefully it's a little less stifling where you are right now. How is it going out there? <laughs> Dry as a bone. Can't say we're steamy at all. So, oh, Yeah. I, I think it's honestly just because uh, this is sort of the... Last last weekend was was extraordinarily rainy. You know, Memorial Day weekend typically kicks off kicks off the the summertime vibes, but it wasn't feeling that way. And this is definitely full on summertime. Um, but uh, and what that means is that at least here, everybody is like out in the streets, eating, drinking, walking, rejoicing, fainting in the heat. Um, but it was Ooh. sort of like full on. You know, I don't. I wouldn't say it's like insane, but just full on summertime immediately. So I think it's it's just seems that people are having a difficult time adjusting, but they seem to be uh, trying to embrace it with some some fanfare anyway. So yeah, um, and you know that's it's kind of like uh, I don't know. Things are things are just opening up wildly here, and it's interesting. I don't know if you've. Uh, you've been experiencing this or seeing this, but there's like this weird, I mean, there's a, there's an anxiety because things are opening up so quickly, but people are really excited. Um, so it's kind of an interesting, uh, spread of emotions, I would say, um, spectrum of emotions, conflicting, conflicting feelings. Like I really want to go to a barbecue, but also shoot, I don't really feel super comfortable here. with All these people. Right. But we are going to talk about a couple of little tidbits of news, but then we are going to talk about Slither, um, which is, uh, it was filmed in 2006, correct? It was released in 2006. Sorry, released in 2006. And this is James Gunn, a directorial debut, and um, at least on the sort of the big scene. Um, and I will say... I was I was raising some some protests about this, um, and I stand by some of the you know parts that were really grossed me out. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this. I'll leave I'll leave some of my comments um, for later. But um, this is I will say it is surprising to me that this wasn't a bigger hit um, when it came out because it actually is a pretty it's a pretty good film. It's fun. Um, but and it wasn't the film that I thought it was. I think I was confusing this with something, some some cross in my mind with like snakes on a plane and something else. <laughs> um, so I definitely don't think this was what I thought. This was definitely not the film I thought it was um, when we started talking about watching it. So my bad. Um, but in any case, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to chatting about that with you. But before we get th- to that. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the little things that were out there. Not too much today. It's the news feeds are still taken over by a bit of the the army of the dead type news. Um, but uh, and speaking of, there's this little like YouTube thing, Guzman of the Dead or Guzman Guz- of the Dead. Guzman, yeah, Guzman. starring Raúl Castillo, mm-hmm. who uh, who played uh, Guzman in the in the movie, and he's playing the same character. Yep. Um, and it's actually one of the clips is from the video that Maria was showing Scott Ward when they were out recruiting yep. him, where he's getting his multiple headshots. Yeah, it's fine. It's like uh, it's a total extra in the spirit of like the sorts of extras you would get on Blu-rays from um, Dawn of the Dead or movies like that back in the day. 
Also, I just saw today that, uh, or maybe it didn't release today, but I saw it today. Uh, season 10 of Walking Dead is getting a full release on Blu-ray. And I'm just like, what? I mean, I, I sure. I, I guess they must still sell yeah, but, some of those, but I haven't bought a DVD. And yeah, actually, and that's I not don't... true. I buy them only now to play in our minivan when we go on road trips. So it's just like Finding Nemo and stuff. I honestly, I don't think I have a way to play DVDs anymore. So, um, yeah. So interesting. Um, you'll have to let us know what the kids think of season 10, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to put that on. For um, sure. Uh, but yeah, I don't know about that. But in any case, you know, I thought that was kind of a fun little extra to have on there. Um, and I do think oh, it's that... it's super fun. And it's like four different uh, little scenes. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool extra, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, look, I think that, again, Zack Snyder had a lot of fun with this. I think that they have a lot of little extras. They're they're putting out other things related to this movie. So it's the full treatment, I would say. And, you know, I don't blame them. I mean, I kind of think the more stuff you get out there, the more people will eventually watch. Um but, um, yeah, so that's definitely a fun thing to, to catch if you haven't yet. Um, the next, there was another couple of articles. One is uh, the 10 best zombie movie needle drops. And I agree with some of these on here. This is basically like the soundtracks of uh, the different zombie films that came out. And there's definitely some, um, like, I, I feel like Shaun of the Dead was was certainly that was immediately the song that came to mind for me. Um, but there's also like a bunch of others in there. Um Shaun of the Dead is probably the most, well, for me, it's the most memorable track, too, because right. it was almost, it was a dance number. It was like a right. choreographed dance number. And it's a choreographed, it was, it was just funny. Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I do think that with some of these, uh, you know, uh, and Dawn of the Dead, Down with the Sickness, uh, that was definitely Yeah, I, I don't remember prominent. where that was in the soundtrack. Wasn't that the beginning? that movie opened with, no, that opened with um, Johnny Cash. Oh, you're right. And that actually is more what I would associate with this. When the man comes around. Yeah, yeah. That was, and in fact, that was a really. And super disturbing. Like that cemented Johnny Cash as like the zombie troubadour in my head forever because of how disturbing. That plus the images that they were playing. Yeah, I know, I know. I don't remember the Down with the Sickness. Oh, Down uh, with the Sickness, I think, is later. Um, They had a lot of montages. So I don't know if they put it in one of their montages or if it was in an action sequence, but. Um. And, you know, I think that this is all on point because I do think that watching Slither, James Gunn has a great soundtrack to this film that definitely went along with it. Some of it's very ton in cheek, um, but I, I was he has impeccable taste in, in, you know, or he has people who have impeccable taste. And we've seen that with Guardians of the Galaxy and other things. So it was definitely on point. So I thought that was kind of a fun little article. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this next item, Stuart, because it's the reanimated web series, <laughs> and we're you know we've been around a while. Us. I know it's not us, um, but I will. I you know it's weird. I did try to find this, and I was not able to, so I will have to try to see if oh, I can find a link to it. Yeah. Um, you, well, because the the YouTube channel is uh, Evil Genius Entertainment, right? Right. And so, then you can click through and find some of their reanimated web series, and it's zombie shorts with anim- amateur actors. It's super yeah. low budget. It's you know, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so kind of, I'll have to check that out. I I just didn't have time to to go through it. Um, and 
Uh, last up is just a silly little, uh, it was from the, the comic book resources, and it's the comic heroes that would survive a zombie apocalypse and those that wouldn't. And uh, this is specifically DC superheroes. So um, basically it's like uh, the Green Lantern, and Superman would obviously survive. I think they put Wonder Woman in this category because of their amazing superpowers, but people like, say, Batman would not. Um, and I think they also have the Flash in that category because uh, they say he's too good-hearted, so he would uh, he would succumb to... He'd be, like, like basically uh, too, too worried about people and not really understand that they were taken over yet by, by some kind of zombie plague. Um, and want to help, so his vulnerability makes him makes him a easy target for for zombocalism, I guess. Um, but I just some thought of these guys I've never even heard of. Who's Booster Gold? Yeah, Who's, maybe I just don't know they, my DC. They did they did some deep cuts here. Um, so anyway, um, it's basically anybody who's a B team, hum, mostly human, <laughs> dies. Like Hawkman, the right. Green Arrow. So, and so they're Marvel. Wait, they're saying the Flash wouldn't survive? Come yeah, on. they're saying that. No, but they're more saying it's because he's just always wants to help. And so he'll, that, he'll be trying to help people and end right. up getting bitten. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, me too. I think he'd, he'd be able to flash away, right? Yeah. But in any case, uh, that that's just kind of a fun, silly little thing. Totally. Um, so, uh, you know, on, on to our big showcase of this show which is Slither, um, and as we mentioned, it's the directorial debut of James Gunn. Um, and James Gunn, uh, you know, most people probably know him more now from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and that franchise, um, and there was the controversy that happened with him in his tweets um, in 2018. So Disney very famously fired him as these tweets came to light, and these were tweets that were he had... Um, put up honestly before even I think this happened possibly um and they were you know quite frankly some pretty inappropriate off-color dark jokes um oh they were he wrote them after this movie oh did he okay sorry I miss I misread the the article about it because I wanted to remind myself so I guess I didn't get that right um but in any case you know it looks he he basically said um, I was looking to do things for shock value. I, I am very sorry for having done them. And, um, you know, that was sort of what he said at the time and, and Disney fired him, but then there was such a backlash over this that they then rehired him in 2019. Um, that said he is like, there was a couple of like, there was a horror film release, uh, was it, uh, I'm going to say Brightburn or Burn Bright or something like that. Um, and they, Basically, that just was, like, swept under the rug, um, and he, you know, but they brought him back, and I think that it's one of those things where you have to talk about uh, cancel culture um, and, you know, whether somebody can be redeemed, and, you know, I, like, I don't think he made, you know, to me, he did not make one of those, like, I apologize if I offended every anyone. He basically threw himself out there and said, look, I did offend people, and it was wrong to do this, so... Um, you know, I think, I think he handled it probably the best way you possibly could. Um, and so he has been, you know, reinstated since that time, basically by Disney. Um, and based on the, all the support from the cast of his films, 
they, there were right. like a lot of there were some joint statements released. Right. So in any case, this was. But one this of, all this predates all of that. Yeah. Even before he had those bad ideas to write those <laughs> I guess. stupid things on Twitter that Ugh. then came back to haunt him. And yeah. uh, did you enjoy his cameo in this film? I did. Um, and you know his brother. His brother is uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, he's his brother was is very. Um, he was had a pretty ma- big role in uh, Gilmore Girls as sort of this um, general. Like I know he started out kind of like as an extra, um, but he basically also has um, a cameo—not a cameo, but you know, a small part in Gal- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so that's kind of funny. Do you know his brother? Um, Sean Fisher. Yeah, and he's yeah, also yeah, yeah. one of yeah. He's like one of the people on the. Crew Sorry, Sean of, Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn. Not yeah. did I say Sean Fisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Gunn. Although he this did dude was with yeah. uh, with Pam from The Office uh, during this time when he was making this movie. It sounds like they were married and got de- uh, separated in 2007. Yeah. So. So. Hmm. Wonder. I mean, she, there she is. What's her name? Not Pam Fisher. Shelby. Jennifer Fisher. Uh, Jennifer Fisher. And Jennifer she, Fisher. She plays Shelby in this. Um, but. You know, like, like I, I think James Gunn has made several cameos. I think this isn't the the first time, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, um, it might be. I mean, this was one of his first movies, or yeah. not really. This is I'm looking at his. Uh, He's had, as I said, it was. This is the first sort of big stage directorial debut, but he had I had. A, he he wrote Tromeo and Juliet, or he yeah. was a writer on that project. Which, and I guess one of the guys from Troma is uh, has a cameo in this film too. So there's a there's a I think it might be in the wiki. There's a list of all the people who have cameos, and there's a ton of people, actually. Like this, honestly, this this project has a great cast. Um, beyond the cameos, you know, just those four, the four main cast members: Elizabeth Banks, Nathan Fillion, Michael Rooker, and I would say Greg Henry rather than Tanya Solnier, even though she is a major character. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't take her or leave it. But but Greg Henry is the mayor. Jack McCready is mm-hmm. just. He's great. Those four people make this movie um, as good as right. they did. Right, and I will and I will point out that a lot of these people have roles in his later films, and you know, Guardians is one of them, um, and that includes Nathan Fillion, um, as Michael well Rooker. as uh, Michael Rooker, and uh, like it, so. That's kind of I, I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. What has Nathan Fillion done uh, subsequently with Gun? Well, he was that. He was one of the. Well, you didn't see him. As himself, he was one of the prisoners and guardians, like in the in the jail. He's like an alien or something. Yeah, like he was like a big, he was like one of the big aliens that attacks uh, Star Lord. Um, so, okay. you know, it's pretty quick cameo, but um, you know, it it's still there, and so he's got you know, so he he definitely brings back people that he likes, um, you know, uh, the like into his other films, so. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, and I will say like, um, you know, Michael Rooker is somebody that obviously we love him from walking dead. He was in guardians. Um, and he just gets, he really plays this very specific, like, I I think it's fair to say that he gets typecast a lot because I do think he probably has more range than this. Has he ever played a good guy in his life? Um, I feel like there's one or two roles where he's actually an okay guy, Um, but there's (laughs) always, like, a darker side to him. Like, he he accesses that sort of negative um, side of things, and I think this goes back to, there was a a film about, um, it was, like, Portrait of a 
of a serial killer or something like that. Um, that's one of his one of his roles that was apparently so controversial. Um, they had to wait a few years to release it because it was pretty dark. Um, and basically, that's kind of where he's been ever since. Um, but he has that, you know, he's got that like scratchy voice. He's got that imposing presence. He's just yeah. got that whatever that is. He plays this villainous role really well and in this case i, I, I mean think he can be so effortless effortlessly threatening like yeah, he doesn't have to he's really imposing. do much yeah he's definitely imposing um and i think that um this is you know this is no exception but i think that there's a little bit you can have a little bit more a little bit more sympathy um for him in this than maybe in some other things because there's lots of stuff going on in this film and there's a little subtext here too I think um but he still is sort of I don't want to say douchey but he's sort of like you know well, dickish. Okay. dickish his name is Grant Grant in I this know. movie and he is married to Elizabeth Banks's character uh Starla and like their you know his love for her is a major push in in the story right, right. like that that's a huge element but he's also like possessive and uh demanding of her and and there's a lot of yeah it's like it's actually pretty nuanced like he's not entirely terrible but he's he's definitely you don't he's not a sympathetic character even though he is a faithful spouse for the most part other mm-hmm. than a little bit of like an emotional uh you know, he, he almost cheats on his wife in the first act, but he actually doesn't. And he right. still pays. The, still the, pays the price for even being tempted. Yeah. Um, but also, I think that the other part of this is that, look, he's and it's inter- like I do. I have to say, um, again, I take back like the fact that I thought that this was about snakes. Um, but, um, I thought you said worms last week. I think you worms, knew what you were worms into. are snakes, but I didn't, I guess for some reason, I thought that this was so like, even when I started watching, I'm like, Oh, this is a very different film than I'll have to figure out which film I thought it was, but it definitely wasn't this one. Um, but in any case, um, he like the way that the storytelling happens in this film. It is very much an homage to older horror films. Yeah, there's some there's some really uh, good I, things I mean, that so they do. It's so homagey that people got pretty pissed off about it. Yes. right? in the yeah. critical response when it first came out, people were like, "Ah, this is a ripoff of the 1970 blah blah." Yeah, <laughs> like, well, people... I mean, it's got so much in it. I mean, it's got toxic Toxic Avenger, definitely, yeah. absolutely, it's got major trauma DNA. Oh like, yeah, it's got obviously. so much in this, but. I kind of like I liked this, but again, and I kind of feel like I feel like Zack Snyder's getting a bit of this with Army of the Dead because people are really getting like worked up about the alien homage thing, and it's not like it's hidden. Um, and I feel like that's the same thing here. It's pretty clear where these things are coming from, and I don't think it's meant to be. I mean, it's a black comedy, so I don't think it's meant to be like taken that seriously. It's people are supposed to have fun with it, and I think people just lose their sense of humor about it. And I, you know, so I, I have no issue with the fact that they're homaging all over the place here, basically. Homaging <laughs> um, all over the place. It's true. It's true. For sure. Um, but what I was going to say is that with the storytelling in this, the things that you learn about this Grant Grant character and his relationship with Starla, with both of them, it's it's a really interesting thing because you're here you see their interactions together 
you see them separately and then you hear, you know, how other people in the town view them. And there is this, there is this whole sort of narrative that they build, but not just through what you see with the two characters. It's with like, it's basically a 360 degree, um, view of their relationship, which I think is pretty, like, honestly, pretty deep for a pretty yeah. silly, silly horror film, dark and comedy. tough to do in the short amount of time right. before and they things do get it. really horror-y. Yeah. And they do it in very, very little, like, moments and, and just comments, and I thought that that was excellent, quite frankly. Um, and the thing I'm talking about is that, you know, so she, Starla is with Grant Grant. Um, <laughs> they are definitely a December... December May kind of romance. He's clearly a lot older than her. And then there's a lot of commentary about the fact, you know, why she ends up with him. Um, and it's not, she's not, I wouldn't say she's reluctant to be with him, but she's definitely having some moments because maybe life isn't what she thought it would be. Um, and he is a bit like overbearing and clearly jealous. Um, the the whole James Gunn cameo where he's like the what what is he the uh, he's, he's talking about like houses in Cambodia right. to Starla and then Grant's just like um, yeah he, or wait no Starla's like oh he wants to I'm gonna lend him a lesson plan mm. and Grant's like that's not what he wants to borrow and I'm not lending yeah something something, something a really good you know. Uh, delivered in only the Michael Rooker way, <laughs> um, but and and that feels very you know paternalistic. Um, you know he, he's overbearing and and just... by contra- comparison, like Starla is just sweet, unassuming, mm-hmm. humble. Uh, she's a like uh, you know a primary school or a, a high school teacher. Yeah, those poor kids. And I mean, and even those even those scenes, like the kids are clearly like exactly what you would expect high school boys yeah. to react when they have a teacher that looks like Elizabeth Banks in the classroom. Um, and one just, of the other people in that classroom is Kylie, yep. who becomes a major character later, although I didn't recognize her, because frankly, yep. that actor's presence is a little bit bland. I, it I is, find. it is. But um, but still, like, that was that was kind of, the, the way that they set this up and the way they set up how these characters are perceived was pretty, uh, just to me, excellent. So, um, but we have Starlo with, with Grant Grant, and he's overbearing and, and definitely, um, possessive and you know a little but they but as I said there's like some sympathy but there's also clearly something going on between them because something that's not right because you know she she basically is like I'm not in the mood and this this sort of sets off his whole the the whole path um where we see this film go the Um, next day she I don't like not to get too much into weird like marital dynamics but the next morning she is eager to make up for that. But, well, I think she feels guilty and bad yeah. and like I definitely it's not that she doesn't care about him because I think she does, but you know, you can kind of you, you know that there's something that's clearly going on with them and this this plays out through the entire storyline. Um and it, and things are complicated like that. And again, it's as I said, it's more complex than it, a horror film like this has any right to be and typically most most play, most films don't explore this kind of thing, which I I think is I think the subtext um, throughout the film, but also in these moments, is is honestly great, and it's what makes this a fantastic film. Um, so, despite the fact that it got panned when it was first released, I I am really happy that it's gotten a cult following because it totally deserves it, and it's honestly a great big a great bit of filmmaking and editing. This is just you know 
I don't I don't know that there's much about this that I would change um, other than the thing that you just mm. mentioned as in, in terms of Kylie's character. I felt like I agree with you on that point, but um, that's it's, a pretty small. Yeah, gripe but and, it's, you know, it's got like the great and it, it's got a fantastic cast. Um, and, oh God, those Greg Henry scenes. Oh, of, so uh, good. Jack McCready, like what his introductory scene where he's cursing, uh, cursing out the traffic oh, and the lady's like, good morning, mayor. Oh, it's so good. And, you know, the co- <laughs> I feel like the, the wardrobe, um, the, the great way that the shots are set up, even the way that they set up this town, you really get this. They really set the table for the the place that this is happening. Um, Mm. It's this little town. um, You even know, so you even know so much about the environment of this uh, film without saying anything. Like there's the whole opening where, where it's like the town is definitely not in the best place. Um, It's got a pretty like the the economics of this town. It's not, there are things that are broken down. um, The mayor included. The mayor included, and um, but it's really just, and it again, it's kind of tropey because there's like you know they kind of exaggerate things a little bit, um, but you know, and then there's the the whole thing where it's like, well, how how much how are these people? Honestly, if you look at the way they set up the, the some of the townspeople in these opening shots, it's like how much different are they from normal zombies? And I think that's deliberate, um, mm. and, and and it's also the little things that this town is celebrating, like like the whole fact that they all get together to celebrate deer hunting season is pretty hilarious and that whole scene cut into the the scene with um with grant grant uh and brenda the dance like was really screwed up but also very i don't want to say funny but it was like the just the stuff with the mayor and everything was fantastic um so i don't know it, it like i feel like the way that this was done was really a great um editing I don't know even what you want to call it, but I just thought it was, especially compared to other things that we have watched, this is definitely an example of how you do it right. It shows a certain level of like sophistication in, in terms of editing a story together and doing two parallel uh, you know, storylines that that are working together and at odds with each other. Yeah, it's 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 I feel like it definitely shows that James Gunn was ready for the big leagues or more ready than he had any right to be in, in 2006. And, and one of the things I noticed, cause I looked up some of the, when they were making the film and apparently Nathan Fillion was like trying, like he wasn't quite sure where they were drawing the line between like comedy and, and you know, the, the horror part of it. So um, basically uh, James Gunn told them, well, we're making, there are funny parts of it, but it's not a comedy. And so that was, you know, he wanted to figure out the tonal shift. And I think that that's the balance that they strike. There are definitely moments, and that's what I mean when I say it's hard. It's not funny per se, but it's clearly comic. Um, some of the yeah, things well, Nathan they, Fillion is bringing big Mal Reynolds energy to oh, this Oh, definitely. Role. Absolutely. I mean, come on. That, this is who he's, he, like, I don't maybe know if that's you, just that Maybe that's his <laughs> his gear that he's in all the time. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever, you've ever, like, he really loved the Mal Reynolds role, and I think he brings yeah. that to a lot of things he does, and one of the things he said that is his favorite, uh, his favorite Halloween costume or something was a space cowboy. So, I think, you know, that's that's there's strong Mal Reynolds in a lot of the stuff that he does, so uh, that's not shocking here. And that's definitely this—he's bringing that sort of tropey cop 
um, that's who he's channeling. I think I agree yeah. with you on that. And, and you know, like when after the barn scene, Elizabeth Banks or Starla is saying, "Be careful," and he's just he shoots back some sort of like, "Yeah, that would be." That'd be right or something along those. And I'm just like, ah, it's like he's talking to uh, the, the hooker on his spaceship yep, again. Totally. Oh, getting strong Firefly vibes. Oh, yeah. And this was only a couple years after or maybe the same year that Serenity came out. Yeah. So I think he he must have been uh, performing as Malcolm Reynolds very recently while he was shooting this or, yeah. or at least, you know, he was getting ready to. Uh, but yeah, so Nathan Fillion, I mean, I love him in everything, so it was hard for me not to just be like, yeah, here we go. Let's go, Nathan Fillion. Um, and, you know, like the supporting cast, a lot of them don't get much room to work, but they uh, they do fine, right? Like the Strutmeyer family, uh, the most disturbing thing about that situation is how casually this movie basically kills everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you get infected, I, I, I was convinced all the way through watching that, well, not all the way, but once those two little girls get infected, I was convinced that James Gunn was going to find a way to cure everybody. But at the end of the movie, it just looks like everybody who got a worm in the face is dead. So I found that to be like kind of a, a I mean, it maybe it's a trauma thing or maybe it's just like a casual horror thing. And James Gunn is like, whatever, let's kill these little girls. I th- I was surprised by that. I did not expect everybody to be dead at the end of the movie. Uh, and I don't mean like the, the central cast. I mean, anybody who was infected. I was convinced there was going to be a way to get out of jail free. Yeah, I don't know. Because he also, I, I mean, and we should have probably touched on this before, but he wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake. Right, um, yeah. So, you know, like I think that it didn't shock me that he was willing to sacrifice everybody. Um, it seemed like, I kind of thought that that would be the way it was going to go. Um, and I did look this up because I, I was like, how does this, how is he thinking about it in terms of the infection? And basically how he explains it is that, um, and, and Kylie managed to not get infected um, because she killed the the worm that was trying to make its way before it like had basically uh, put its uh, grips into her. She had yeah. enough of a flash so that it shows the audience a little bit of what's happening and gives her that insight. But yeah. she's the only one that actually almost gets a worm down the throat that we see survive, right? Yeah, right. Everybody but else? Basically, as, as apparently as James Gunn describes it, um, once you get the worm like you're actually dead so you don't have any it's the worm kind of supporting you so even with um grant even though he's sort of retaining people retain um or can sort of talk about their own memories and things like that physically they are not able to stay alive if the worm goes away so that's kind of where he was coming from is that it was just very much this parasitic infection that totally takes over entirely and that once you know the main thing dies everybody dies so i was i wasn't totally shocked by that um it's but still, it was just that that struck me that was like a, a horror tragedy moment obviously you've got a bathtub scene so right away oh, you're god i know i know disaster stressful um, the most vulnerable but, thing and then you see that thing in the water it was really creepy um but that's that's your like jamie lee curtis moment of the film where where kylie is in the house and the worms are taking over her family and she's trying to save her little sisters and that is honestly like there's no there's no comedy in this no no it's really upset yeah um so that would that i did find affecting but i was holding out hope until the end until like the last scene i was holding out hope that those girls would uh would pop up and be like oh i had a tummy ache but now i feel better 
or something, you know, but too bad. So sad. No bueno. Um, and then the other, you know, I did like, I did like how, um, they showed that this was basically, um, you know, a hive mind. Um, and I do think that Michael Rooker's distinctive way of talking made that a lot more fun. Yeah, that's um, another prop for the supporting cast who were able to, yeah. like, if they weren't delivering lines like him, they were at least, uh, I don't know, chanting in a way that made you think of Grant Grant right away. Right. Um, but especially the scene with uh, Wally, who's the, uh, you know, the unfortunate uh, second in command to Nathan Fillion's, uh, like, chief. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a really great job of a Michael Rooker imitation. <laughs> so yeah. I thought that was really good. And it isn't just it isn't just that they're using his little catchphrases, which they did very cleverly use enough in the beginning that you got that this was Michael Rooker, like Killer or Sugar Plum or, like, whatever it was uh, that he was calling, you know, different people. So... I thought that that was also a nice little added uh, bonus that they to show the the hive uh, the hive sort of structure of this alien invasion. Um, but um, let's see what else there was. What do you think of the creature effects? You know, I like. I thought that they were good. Um, I did think that some of the and it, again, not deliberately funny, but like kind of is like the the transformation of my, of Grant Grant Michael Rooker into this alien or something that's taking over his body um but specifically um starla slash elizabeth banks reactions to it and other people's reactions to it are pretty awesome like you know in the beginning you know when he's first sort of being affected by this and he's like oh i was stunned by a bee but her face is just incredible and then that's not even you know they kind of just up the ante um, and I thought that whoever was doing the makeup did a really good job. And this was very much Toxic Avenger uh, homage, th- his oh, yeah. whole his whole being, especially towards the end, um, where he's just sort of mutated and kind of, you know, piling out of his own body. Um, they do a little bit of this with Men in Black, too, but not quite to the same effect. Um, but this because this is just so drastic and disgusting. Um, a little bit of job of the hut, a little bit of job of the hut. Um, And I thought that, you know, I think that they used it just enough and it's cheesy enough that you're like, okay, um, I I feel like they use CGI, but they used it in the right way. And I think that they use practical effects enough in the right Mm -hmm. way to strike the right balance in this whole thing. Yeah, I think the CG was not super jarring. Um, obviously, all the slugs were probably CG, except for yeah. when once in a while they maybe had a prosthetic. Right. But in the Michael Rooker stuff, uh, like the posse scene where they find him with a cow, like at first he's like looking all stiff and and doesn't move very well. But then there's he has that there's the attack uh, where he cuts one of the posse guys right in half, which is an amazing scene, and then slithers away super fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're like, oh, wow, there's – okay. So they're – I like the way that they came at this uh, and Brenda, <laughs> the Brenda reveal in the barn where she has grown rather large right before all the worms come out. Yep. Uh, there, I thought that there were a lot of great uh, great monster effects in this. And um, they didn't – they toyed with the idea of the hentai tentacle monster stuff. Uh, then did not go there. So I was also grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, apparently the woman who plays Brenda, it, like, that, this was one of the challenges, but apparently she doesn't like meat and she's also claustrophobic. Ooh. So all the effects, like, where she's, like, kind of has to be, like, wrapped in this thing, like, like, it was really upsetting to her, plus the ones where she has to, like... So apparently this was a pretty hard shoot for that actor. 
Oh, poor woman. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pretty, pretty rough. Um, uh, Brenda James is the name of the actor who plays who plays her. Um, and I want to also mention. I don't know if you noted this, and it was in the credits. Uh, but you know, the the kids uh, with the twins. Uh, they're both reading some uh, like a Goosebumps story, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of fun. Um, and they have like you know that was sort of a nice little Easter egg in there because that was those were stories that. Um, I think those were a little bit uh, after my time, but my brother, my younger brother, really loved those stories. Um, so it was just kind of a fun little callback. Um, but, um, you know, uh, this was, I don't know. I, I feel like also the, just even the setups for this film with the different relationships between uh, Wally and Bill, um, the, they, from the get-go, it's like that kind of setup where they're sitting in the car you know, waiting like with a speed trap and that kind of thing. And you get to just, they, they basically follow the story of the meteor being the, the origin of this whole thing. I thought that was pretty good. Um, and you know, and then the very end, of course they have the sort of, they did have the possibility I think for a sequel, but that never happened. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that didn't need to happen. I agree. Because in theory, if the needle, if, like every, why would all the zombies have fallen down if right. they hadn't destroyed the house? Right, if it was still alive, house? right? So that would be my my thinking on that. Um, so the, you mentioned the music earlier when we were talking about the news, and there is one song that gets played a couple times, uh, like I'm Every Woman. Not it's not I'm Every Woman. It's it's some country song uh, that gets played a few times. Was that the the main musical element that you were? Um, oh, you mean the air supply song that they play, Starla and it, uh, Grant yeah. Grant's Love. And a couple um, times they, it comes back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the, the the big song that they use. Um, but it's also the use of like country songs in general. Um, I thought yeah. that he did a pretty good job at splicing this in there. Um, so, um, but the the use of the air supply soundtrack was really kind of hilarious. Every woman um, in the world. Every woman that's in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's also. Uh, there's also just uh, at the very end, there's one by old 97s, but that's over the credits, which I thought was great. Um, but it's just, you know, like he does a good job at splicing things in like the, the country music was excellent um, that they put in like with the bar scene and other stuff. So I thought that that was pretty good. Um, and also the fact that that air supply song would be their song is pretty funny. Cause, and I think speaks to the, how Michael Rooker is a bit older than, than Starla. It makes it a little cheesier. Um, so there's that too. Um, and I have to, you know, even the interactions between um, Starla, Elizabeth Banks, and Michael Rooker, like as they it progresses their interactions, like one of, I feel like one of the, the best scenes is when they don't, you know, they the whole thing where they're doing the, the squid hunt for him, like the last thing all these people have seen um when he attacks Starla and the cops come in and the, you know, they, they were like, Oh my gosh, he's got like a squid arm and that's all they know about him. And then they do this whole ambush on the farm. And, and when he makes his appearance, they're all of their reactions are phenomenal. And also the makeup and the fact that he's evolved into this, what a great, uh, Mm -hmm. what a great lead up and what a great reveal. And the fact that they're just horrified by what he is now, like they just don't even know what to do is really, just really good um so overall i have to say kudos to to james gunn for this one i think this is just so much fun to watch yeah this was fun and it was uh 
I mean, we, we did uh, not watch the uh, penultimate episode of Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 in favor of this today. So uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and me we'll, too. We'll, we'll come back to Fear the Walking Dead next time, I guess. Uh, do you have any any other parting thoughts about Slither that you want to share? No, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't watch it before. I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't watch it like when it came out because I'm, I'm now like, but now we got to watch it today. so Or we got to watch it um, this week, which it was delightful. And it's honestly like... A very much on point summer horror comedy. So I think that this is just a fun popcorn movie night if you're into horror films. Like, if you're not, this is probably not for you. Um, but this is definitely, I think it's up there with Shaun of the Dead in my, in my book. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of, of, you know, those kinds of like dramedies or comedies or zombies, I guess you would call them. Um, but it's, definitely worth worth a watch um so what did you overall were you totally on board did, yeah, Ho- did holly I, watch this with you i did no. not make bill watch this with me because i didn't think he could take it yeah no uh it, i yeah i i definitely enjoyed it I, I watched it in three sittings which was kind of disruptive mm-hmm. obviously i had a I had a busy weekend so i was trying to fit it in after a day of whatever and then each each yeah each time i was just like too tired to finish it um so i watched it <laughs> on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, which is a, not a great way to watch anything, but it still had a great impact. But it also meant that I kind of watched it in three acts, which is yeah, how you're supposed to consume things, I guess, sometimes. Um, but I, 100%, I enjoyed it too. Uh, I, I don't know that I would say that it's in the same ballpark as Shaun of the Dead. I, just, I still think that that movie just stands apart. But th- this was enjoyable in similar ways, and I love the cast so much. So I can... Uh, I can, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we got to do it. All right. Well, um, and next time it w- there may be a slight break just because of some travel plans, but um, we are going to be talking about the last two, uh, last two episodes of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, hopefully it will be worth the wait. <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, I wouldn't even say that. Just <laughs> let's just get it done. Yeah, so we'll be we'll be back as soon as we we take a look at those. Um, but if you have any thoughts about Slither, hopefully uh, maybe you took a, a chance to to watch it with us. And and if not, please do. Um, but if you have thoughts about it, or watch it before. Please send us a message: reanimatedpodcast at gmail dot com, reanimatedpcast on the twitters, or uh, reanimatedpodcast dot com is our site, and you could just leave a a note there. Um, any other parting words, Stuart? No, I think you covered it. So I would say thank you all for listening. Indeed. Ciao. Bye.